You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Harley Liker, medical consultant for the very popular and successful television show, House, who is Assistant Clinical Professor of Internal Medicine at the David Geffen School of Medicine at UCLA. Welcome, Dr. Liker. Hi, Mark. How are you? Now, certainly being a medical consultant for a show like House is fascinating. Were there any times that you got disillusioned or felt that uh, you didn't know exactly what to do? Well, there have been... um, uh, There's one story where one of the writers by the name of Larry Kaplow essentially wanted to kill a patient on the show and and kind of bring them back to life afterwards. And he he had this idea in his head that he was going to kill them that would allow the individual to get the biopsy that was needed, and then he was going to kind of bring them back to life. And he said to me, you have to figure out a way that we can make this happen technically. And I'm like, you know, short of the, you know, the heart-lung bypass machine (laughs) uh, or the pump, you know, we can make a person's heart stop beating and put them... Uh, on bypass, or on pump, I should say, uh, but we don't really kind of kill people and bring them back. We don't, we don't have that ability. So I think that the writers are always trying to push me to a place, again, for dramatic reasons, and it's their job to make the show as interesting as possible, and my job, as I envisioned it and as I promised David Shore when I took the responsibility on, was to give them open, honest feedback about what is reality and what is fantasy. And they often want to push a little more towards fantasy, and I've got to push them back more towards reality. How do you ever determine that the medical technology and medical terminology is too complex for the lay public? Yeah, so we go through this all the time. In fact, I was just giving feedback to a writer uh, this past week about whether or not we could use the term hematuria. Again, there's a fine line and there's a balance between making the dialogue between the characters seem realistic. So if you and I were talking and you said, Harley, I've got a 42-year-old who's come in with two days of flank pain uh, and they've got uh, frank hematuria, we would know what we were talking about. Whereas a layperson would have no idea making the connection between flank pain and hematuria. If we said they've got flank pain or pain in their kidney or on their back and they've got blood in their urine, they're immediately going to have some clue as to what might be going on. So it's a constant balancing act between making the dialogue between the physicians um, seem realistic as well as representative of how doctors talk to doctors, but not going so far so that uh, the lay public who, who are not medically trained will be in a position where they have no idea what the doctors are talking about. Harley, what is the best thing about being the medical consultant to the television show house? You know, it's fun. It's not uh, every day that someone comes and knocks on your door and says, you know, would you like to, uh, you know, advise on a television show? I I also think being able to raise issues that I think are important issues about end-of-life decision. There was an issue that came up about electro uh, shock therapy, and the writers wanted to portray it in one way. And I said, you know, we have a responsibility not to stigmatize things in a negative way that could be very helpful to people. We may take up an issue like smoking, which is something that's near and dear to my heart and something that uh, 
you know, I really try and press upon my patients not to do. And I say, you know, here you've got an opportunity to get a message out to 20-plus million people on a weekly basis. We can send out some, quote-unquote, kind of public health messages. We can talk about difficult issues like sexual abuse. There was an issue where we had um, uh, patients with short stature and how their people as well and how they should be treated with dignity. So, again, outside of the, the fun aspect of being involved in the television show and, you know, occasionally spending some time on the set and, and you know, rubbing elbows with uh, some of the Hollywood types, which they're all just people like you and, like you and me, Mark, um, being able to get some issues on the table that the American public can think about and, and maybe sensitize them in a positive way about some of these medical issues has certainly been something that uh, I found very attractive and appealing. So clearly, it's more than entertainment to you, and it's a chance to inject some educational and moral impact. No question. Again, you know, is it nice that people eventually understand what hematuria is? And, and if you have flank pain and there's blood in your urine that you might have a kidney stone, that may help someone someday. But also, you know, helping people understand, for example, the dying process and what it's like to deal with a cancer patient and hopefully portraying that in a positive light. I've gotten calls from heads of organizations where we've highlighted certain diseases that may be orphan diseases, where they've thanked us profusely, whether it was the um, Rheumatologic Society when we did an episode on lupus. There was, other, there was another neurologic issue that came up recently where the executive director called me and said, I just can't thank you. The three minutes that you highlighted our disease on this show will do more for awareness of this disorder than, you know, all the public relations we're going to do over the next year. So television can be a very powerful medium. I think it's important for the writers and obviously the medical consultants to recognize that there's a responsibility that comes along with doing this type of thing because you wouldn't want to send the wrong kind of messages. Well, that's a a wonderful comment you just made in terms of uh, bringing attention to diseases which possibly would not have had the same attention if they wouldn't be on your television show. That That is, is very, very nice. Um, do you ever make a cameo appearance on the television show? You know, I, it, it's called, uh, they call it a, a walk-on. You can do something called a walk-on. <laughs> um, I, I was offered that uh, back in, in season one. I'm more of a, a behind-the-scenes kind of guy. I, I have a very serious medical practice, uh, and I take my profession very seriously. Uh, I fell into this opportunity with House. It was an interesting one where I thought I could affect some some positive change for many of the reasons that I've just uh, expounded upon. But uh, I declined the opportunity to do the walk-on because I didn't want to be viewed as, you know, some Hollywood uh, celebrity type. It it uh, it just wasn't something that that was was that important to me. I have been interviewed in a number of different arenas for work I've done on gastroesophageal reflux disease or on colon cancer screening and for some of the work I've done with the uh, pomegranate juice. And, again, that I think is an appropriate venue. But for me to to be on set as an extra on a television show uh, wasn't something that I thought was important for me to do. How does someone like yourself find the time to do this medical consulting for House? Um, you know, it's any, like anything else, you have to have, uh, you know, your priorities in, in order. The, the nice thing about reviewing scripts is, you know, I typically have, you know, a good 72 to 96 hours to, to get back to the writers from the time they get me the first draft of the script. The, the way our schedule works, uh, I'll typically have some pre-conversations with the writers about stories they're working on. So 
oftentimes I'm not kind of blindsided by something that's coming way out of left field. But even if we haven't talked a lot about what they're going to do, the, the way scripts are developed in Hollywood is there's something called a, a director's draft, which is just out there for the, the production people to figure out what sets they're going to need and how they're going to organize things. From the director's draft, a couple or three days will go by, and there will be something called a limited draft that gets published. The limited draft gets circulated to all the consultants and all the writers and all the producers and actually, I believe, to the network as well. And there's typically a three- or four-day period where people give comments back. Um, and then you go to a production draft, and then there are several versions of a production draft. So from a time that a, a script gets, quote-unquote, published to the time that shooting actually occurs, there's usually about a two-week window. So there, there isn't the time pressure of, uh, you know, we need an answer in 30 seconds. So I just structure my week and structure my practice in a way that, uh, whether it's in the evening after my kids go to bed or on a Sunday morning uh, or late in the day after I'm uh, finished with my clinical activities, that I can get to, uh, get to the scripts. I do make, make myself available to the writers, and I treat them almost like their patients so that if they called and had a question and needed uh, some guidance on an issue, uh, I would give them, you know, the three to five to seven minutes that I would give if a patient called and said, you know, I've twisted my knee, what should I do? So in, in this case, I may be dealing with a fictional character, right? So they say, oh, I've got someone who's going to have a swollen toe because he kicked it. What's the differential for a swollen toe? And we talk about gout and we talk about, you know, all sorts of other things. So in my mind, I, I deal with them just like they're another patient that needs some guidance and some input. And, uh, you know, they understand that in the busy, in, in they're respectful of my time and understand that my primary responsibilities uh, are to my patients and that their issues are not emergent, but uh, I try to be as responsive as I can. They have my email. I email back and forth with them on a regular basis. So we, we make it work. It's been a wonderful relationship. Uh, it's certainly helpful that there are two other medical consultants on the outside and one, you know, on the inside full-time. So, uh, you know, it all doesn't really fall on my shoulders, but it is a team effort. And at the end of the day, I think we've got a pretty good product. So I, I take it you do have time to sleep and eat and things like that, right? I, I do sleep. I do eat. I'll actually be uh, assistant coaching one of my kids' baseball teams and uh, try and do that too. But, yeah, no, look, it's not uncommon to see me at my kitchen table at uh, 10 o'clock at night uh, reviewing a house script. But, again, it's it's fun. And I think in life, if you uh, enjoy what you're doing, it really isn't work. And, and I don't view it as work. Well, this has been no less than fascinating speaking with you, Harley. And I just have one final question for you. You know, you hear these stories about actors and uh, directors not wishing to see the final cuts of their films for one reason or another. Do you watch the final shows, uh, the completed shows of House? I do, yeah. I, you know, Tuesday nights I typically TiVo them, again, because it's on at 9, and sometimes our kids don't go to bed until after then. But, uh, yes, on a weekly basis, uh, I, don't, I don't watch the reruns, so I, I just watch them once. There's no reason for me to watch them twice. But we shoot, uh, I think, in the 23 or 24 episodes a year, and I make sure to see all of them, and I'll often be sitting uh, with my wife, and I'll say, oh, you know, that was my line, or that was my you know, my edit or, or, or this or that or the other, or if, uh, if I was responsible for a major, major storyline. In fact, uh, I don't know if you saw the show last week, but there was an episode on something called Mirror Syndrome, where the, what was going on with the fetus was going on in the mother, where she was getting, uh, I think her platelet count was dropping, and, and all sorts of different things were happening. Um, that was an episode that uh, I had come up with. So the writer said, we want to do something where 
the mother and the child are somehow interconnected, and I called a good friend who's an OBGYN, and I said, here's what I need for the show. These are the characteristics of what we're looking for. And she said, oh, there's something called fetal mirror syndrome. And I learned about fetal mirror syndrome, and that was one of the things I didn't even know existed. So it's also been a learning process uh, for me, and maybe my patients are benefiting from a, a broader knowledge base that I have that I wouldn't have otherwise had. But, yeah, I, I do watch the show. Um, I, I don't miss an episode. Uh, I feel like it is part of my responsibility and part of my own learning process. And we're always looking for ways to make the show better and anything that I can do from the technical side uh, to make it better. Uh, I certainly do, and I think I'd be cheating myself and cheating the writers and producers if, uh, if I wasn't watching on a regular basis. I am Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.